0: On today's show, we recap a weekend chock full of wins for your Hornets.
1: The Hornets try to keep it going tonight against the Washington Wizards, one player from Washington that no one's talking about that the Hornets better scout against.
0: We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do all day. You are Locked On, Hornets.
1: You are Locked On, Locked On, Locked On, Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. Let's go. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. The weekend is over. It's Monday. It's time to talk some more Hornets. News and analysis in your podcast feed every day here with Locked On Hornets whenever you need it. Maybe you're hitting the gym this morning, getting back on track for the week. Uh, pop us in your earbuds. Today's episode is brought to you by our brand new and very first local sponsor, Frame Warehouse. They have been in Charlotte longer than the Charlotte Hornets, and they can help you get your framing project done for the guaranteed best price. Visit framewarehouse.net to find the location near you. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend. He's back once again, David Walker.
0: And I will be going to Frame Warehouse to frame your lovely Christmas gift Doug, the poster from the shoes of the 90s. So I can't wait to get over there and see how oh,
1: yeah. we showed that. We showed that on a, yeah. a previous episode of Locked On Hornets Live, which, by the way, is coming up this Tuesday on youtube.com forward slash locked on Hornets. You can watch us talk about the Hornets. You can be involved. You can chat with us on YouTube. So make sure Tuesday, six o'clock, pop on YouTube and check us out. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Head over to iTunes. Search Locked On and find podcasts on the NFL, NBA, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. We've got a great show in store for you. We are going to be looking back on a weekend full of dubs for the Hornets. They are getting back on track. We will examine some of the finer points of why that is. Plus, we're going to be previewing tonight's game against the Washington Wizards, another important division game for these Charlotte Hornets. But first, David, uh, we got some some fun news on Twitter you know, when we talked about on Friday, Kemba, was is he a, a top three Charlotte Hornets player of all time? Uh, one of the knocks against Kemba for making that list is that he didn't have some of the national media exposure that we've seen from some of the previous players that you would put on that list, like uh, Larry Johnson, for example, with his grandmama uh, campaign. But uh, we got some news here on Twitter from Kimba himself. Uh, he released this behind-the-scenes video of a Sprite photo shoot that he's doing. I can only imagine that it is part of a new Sprite campaign. Let's let's just roll this video. Very low-tech here. I'm just going to play it on my computer. So we just, we just pulled this together this morning.
0: Hey, I'm Kimba Walker, and this is a Sprite photo shoot. Good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. All right. It's very... Accurate and to the point. Tells you what it is and who he is and where he is.
1: Yeah, just this you can check it out on his Twitter, but he's holding a Sprite bottle. There you go. Smiling. That's key. Drinking Sprite. You always want to drink it. Anyway, so he's getting he's getting he's getting involved in these national this is important.
0: I think it's important when you're looking at stuff like All-Star voting and and stuff like that, right? It's cool for Kevin to be involved with that. I think it's cool for you guys as well, you know, Charlotte Hornets fans, to see one of your guys uh, get in that spotlight. Yeah, that's a cool thing.
1: Because it's not – that's the thing. These All-Star type of deals, they're not purely basketball statistics. This is not an object, any kind of objective. Well, certainly factors in starters. Right. Certainly not. Exactly. So – no, it is important. It is important for and, – and just the profile of the team, I think. It's it's important. Okay, but let's talk about what's really important, and that's wins on the basketball court. Uh, two big wins for the Hornets. They decimated the Toronto Raptors, uh, both of these home games, and then they struggled a little bit against the Brooklyn Nets late in the game, but they get the victory over the Nets, 112-105. Uh, David, what have been the main factors in the Hornets getting back to their winning ways, including that Portland game, three wins in a row now for the Hornets?
0: Yeah, three big wins in a row. I did want to start off with that Toronto game because I think that's really the marquee game that we look at for a lot of reasons, right? Because they have not beaten uh, any of those top three teams, this the Cavs, the Raptors, or the Celtics thus far this year. And they really got back to what makes... I mean, this is probably their best game of the season, right, Doug? They got back to what has made them successful, which is defense. Holding the Raptors, and this is impressive, to 18 points in the first quarter and 15 points in both the third and the fourth quarter. Only 30 points total in the second half for the Raptors. Um, I mean, yeah, Kimba and some of the starters... Well, I know Kimba didn't play any of the fourth, but that was just a complete game. Kimba was going... Off, I mean, he was rolling in that game, so I think that was a big game for the team, uh, and certainly Kemba. But I don't know that he was using the All Star thing as any sort of extra motivation. I just think that they, like Clifford said, the team was tired of kind of going up and down, and they had gotten a good win in Portland. They'd gotten back to winning and wanted to keep that going. And with a that was a marquee matchup on a Friday night in your home building.
1: Yeah, the quote from Clifford: They just got sick of not playing well. And that's you know we talked about it over and over. It's like Cliff. What else could Clifford say? What? How? How many times must this team lose the way they were losing defense, late game defense, before something gave? And something finally. Something finally gave. They got back home. I think they got they got more comfortable, and they got a little more practice time in, and you finally started to see them turn the corner. But yeah, Kimball Walker absolutely outplaying Kyle Lowry in this game. 11 of 16 from the floor, 32 points, 6 of 9 from beyond the arc, and he didn't even play the fourth quarter. This was a game he dropped 40 on them early in the season. He would have done it again easily, and they've got a matchup coming up soon, another matchup with the Toronto Raptors in Toronto, uh, he's going to have to, you know, again step up again, and and maybe drop forty. That be that would be yeah, nice.
0: That will likely be a different uh, you know, play out a little differently. I mean, Toronto is the best offense in the Eastern Conference too, which is even more impressive. You know, so they'll be ready to go, I'm sure. But they've tended to match up okay with the Raptors. You know, I think this is, it's a good matchup for Charlotte. They played them close in the previous game this year when you said Kim would drop forty on them. So um, they'll need to be ready. But look. Wins are wins or wins right now, and, and that goes doubly so for that Brooklyn Nets win because that one could have easily gotten away from the Hornets. That's a game that has gotten away from the Hornets in the past, and to follow up a solid Toronto win, just getting the Brooklyn win, right? I mean, they just had to get it however they could. Uh, you could tell they were tired. Back-to-backs have not been uh, that great for this team as they were last year. They're only four and five on the second night of back-to-backs, so – that's an area they're going to have to improve they're, because I believe they were 12-4 and four last year, um, and, and that was a real area of strength. So, you know, we've seen him get tired. and you know, Kimball looked exhausted by the end of that game, and he needed help from just about everywhere, and he got it.
1: Absolutely. MKG, Ramon Session stepping up in that game. We're, we're going to return to this uh, Brooklyn game and talk about why they are performing or, or how they can perform better on back-to-backs. But first, got to tell you about our friends at Frame Warehouse. If you have a poster or a jersey maybe or a cool Christmas gift like David, that you've the coolest Christmas gift he got was for, for the coolest, uh, <laughs> that you've been waiting to get framed, don't wait. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse. We are proud to partner up with Frame Warehouse because... They've been family-owned right here in the heart of Charlotte for over 35 years, and they have the guaranteed best price on framing. At Frame Warehouse, you can frame almost anything for next to nothing. If you can think of it, you can get it framed. We're talking sports memorabilia, posters for your office, maybe your kid's bedroom, jerseys. They'll even cube up that signed football helmet you have laying around the house. I know. I know you do. You've got it. You you got it signed last year. Maybe it's a Panthers helmet, and, and it's just been sitting there. Don't let it collect us. Get it cubed up at Frame Warehouse. And look, you know, as a guy, David, I know that framing things can can seem kind of daunting to me. Like, what kind of frame? There's like a billion of them. Do you do glass? Do you do no glass? Luckily, Frame Warehouse has framing experts that will walk you through the process and turn your project around super quick and for a great price. So don't let your prized possessions go undisplayed. Talk to our friends at Frame Warehouse at one of their six locations in Charlotte. Go to framewarehouse.net to find the one near you. That's framewarehouse.net and tell them Locked On Hornets told you to drop by and go Hornets. Okay, let's get back to this weekend of wins. Um, They are doing better on back-to-backs and I thought a big part of that was the contribution by MKG, 17 points, six offensive rebounds. Most of those, he was the only Hornet to get an offensive rebound, and, and he got six of them, and most of them he turned into layups. So it was that hustle plus Ramon Sessions giving them uh, something he really hasn't all season. The the seventeen points off the bench, the big boost offensively in that in the end of the third quarter, he was their offense getting to the line. But when you when you are on the second night of a back to back, I really think you have to have those type of performances that you're not going to get on a night-to-night basis. And then they finally got those from a couple of uh, guys that they don't normally get those type of performances from, and that was the key.
0: Yeah, Frank Kaminsky as well, hitting four or five from the field, Marco getting a little bit more back on track. But that's what they're going to need, especially from those two guys, I think, Doug. I mean, they got to have some bench production on a night-in-night-out basis, and and those are the, the, the main guys you would target. Certainly when Jeremy Lamb comes back, he'll be in that mix as well. But, yeah, I mean, MKG, I mean, for a while, he was probably the only guy in the game with an offensive rebound, right? Because I don't think the Nets had many going into uh, a huge stretch of that game.
1: Yeah, and and MKG is finishing – this is something we pointed to in terms of his struggles this season, finishing around the rim. He's doing a much better job of that and really – it's been because he's creating better opportunities for himself, you know, getting those offensive rebound putbacks. I mean, those are, they can be difficult if, if there are a lot of physical players around, but he is getting those opportunities, converting those opportunities. Plus, you know, Kimball Walker is, is finally getting some help and, and not just from MKG, but from Frank Kaminsky, from Marvin Williams. Got to talk about these two guys. First of all, in December, Marvin Williams shooting 43% from the field, but importantly, 43% from beyond the arc. You compare that to 37% in December and then 33% in November. So he has certainly improved his offense, at least from long range, and uh, averaging 11.8 points and six rebounds. His rebounding very important to this team. And then Let's click over to Frank Kaminsky, who has upped his averages as well. He's shooting 41% in January from beyond the arc. Uh, You compare that to his December and November totals, 27%. So very important. These stretch fours, they're finally stretching. They're they're fully stretched out now. They're ready to work out.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Marvin, just over the last eight games, shooting 45%. And, and has hit two or more threes in seven of those last eight games so you can really see that in his in his game there's a little more bounce in his stuff um I think he was it was Clifford was discussing Marvin when he was saying kind of getting back into the groove right um uh, feeling a little better as the season went on so if they're gonna get back to where they want to be in that playoff discussion certainly up in that top four, he's gonna have to do that because. We talked about how much of a success it was for him and the team last year when he was shooting well. Um, so he's starting to make a few more of those. That's that's huge. And, and you hope the same thing for Frank, too, because, you know, he's been highlighted, I think, a lot more than some of the other bench guys just because of maybe the expectations, being a, a second-year guy and what they expect from him. But I do think he sees a mismatch more these days, right? I mean, some nights, like you said, Doug, he's just going to be outmatched. He's not going to be able to guard the guy who he's matched up on. And 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 guys that are quicker than him and more athletic are probably gonna take advantage of him. But there are gonna be nights like these last, you know, three games at home where he's gonna be able to either recognize a mismatch and he's got a smaller guy or hit that outside shot. So I think that's big for Frank and certainly for this bench.
1: Well, we talked about it. You know, if this team was going to go four and one in this home stand, which they they have an opportunity to begin that process by getting the win tonight against uh, the Washington Wizards. But if they were to do that, the big headlines were going to be Marvin Williams returns to form. And Frank Kaminsky starts shooting the ball better. MKG makes headline type of plays. And MKG, those six rebounds, he gets the headline from the Charlotte Observer. He gets the main story. So all of these things are coming to fruition. And it's this and wasn't, by the way, I'm not uh, horn-tooting here. This These were just obvious things. These were things that you look at in the Hornets lineup and you go, what's different from last year? What's going on here? And I think two guys you point to, MKG and Marvin Williams, not playing to, to the levels that, that we were uh, comfortable or, or that they were comfortable playing with.
0: Yeah, well, look at Nick Batum as well, right? Double figures in these last three games. And down the stretch against Brooklyn, uh, it wasn't Kemba. You know, we've been begging for there to be another guy to step up and hit some big shots. He had a big swing there with that. What was it? It was a four point play, right? And then came right back down and hit another three when the game was really in question to give the Hornets a little separation. So for people begging for some other, you know, for some for Nick to step up and do that, that was good to see.
1: Listen to this though. Kimball Walker, this is why this is important, okay? Kimball Walker is getting the same production out of less shots. And that's going to be so important oh, yeah. as we get into the playoffs when teams will start to really scheme against Kimball Walker. Listen to this, David. Last three losses, he was 9 of 21, 7 of 23, 8 of 21. So he's getting over 20 attempts, and those are not great percentages. His The last three victories for the Hornets, 8 of 14, 11 of 16, 6 of 17. So I think we see the key here is to get Kimball Walker enough help to where he doesn't have to take 20 attempts. Because Kimball Walker needs to be focused on getting to the line, knocking down three-pointers, and getting that same 23 points from less shots. Do you agree?
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, and his efficiency has been highlighted. Uh, You know, one of the big jumps he's made, a lot of the reasons people are – uh, are, are rooting for him, are, are are voting for him in their various All Star ballots that you'll see online. Is the improvement he's made in that efficiency and his shooting, and that's definitely a key because he's gonna he's gonna be shooting, Doug. I mean, you know, if they're gonna win, there's no you know we can uh, dance around it or or describe other ways for them to be successful, but it's it's really on his shoulders for the most part to, to go out and win a lot of these games.
1: Hey, um, I have to talk about his backup, David. Ramon Sessions, okay. 17 okay. points on eight shots in 19 minutes against Brooklyn. And then after the game, uh, Stephanie Reddy interviewing Ramon Sessions and Ramon revealing that head coach, Steve Clifford, asking him to be more aggressive. And, and he certainly did that. And in, in the end of that third quarter, again, throwing his body around, listen, I I got into a, not an argument, but I got into a discussion about this on, on Twitter uh, I, I'm not here's the thing. I am very uh aware of Ramon Sessions' struggles shooting the basketball, but I think that you know, when you when you look at his attempts, his attempts are way down for the season, he's definitely taken a back seat, so I can see why Steve Clifford would ask him to be more aggressive. When he misses shots, it devastates his field goal percentage. You know, if he goes two of seven from a game because he's not taking a lot of shots, that will really hurt his field goal percentage, but but I think he, he has struggled. But you have to give him credit, David, for this game, because I think he was one of the reasons that the Hornets were able to get this win on a back-to-back.
0: Well, a couple things, right? I mean, 75% from three, uh, hit three of four. I, a I huge three, by the way. His three and then threes. the two
1: Nick Batum threes were were key plays down the stretch of this game.
0: But also eight for eight from the free throw line, uh, and and that ha- has not always been the case. I mean, gosh, you'll get back to looking at the first of the year, not hitting hundred percent from the free throw line and not converting some of those easy layups. But you speak by his aggressiveness or his, um, you know, his following through on plays, and what I mean by that is you can watch some games, and O/W, for example, I got posted up and the pass won't come, or the decision's not made uh-huh. Yeah, not as quick quickly enough. as it, right. not quick enough, right? Or, or the pass comes out on the wing a second too late. Stuff like that. I get you know, it. Just running the offense is where I think we also want to see him be more aggressive. I mean, if he scores, that's great. Um, in a game like that, certainly it was huge. They're not going to need 17 points from him every night or ask that of him, but they can't ask him to keep pushing the pace and make the right decisions when they're there. So I think even even if more so than scoring, maybe that's going to be the key for him going forward because they got to keep this thing going. I mean, you know, when, when they struggle and the bench doesn't go well and they're looking for him to generate things, I mean, he does – he will drive. I mean, he will take things into his own hands, it looks like, at times, maybe even – you know, when he shouldn't. But I'm just looking for those type of plays to happen on a more consistent basis, too.
1: I just think he's gotten a bad rap this season, especially, I mean, people will tweet me and talk about his turnovers. And I'm like, he's averaging less than a turnover a game, and he's getting uh, upwards of three assists a game. So, like, that's not bad for a backup point guard. And I agree with you. There are some decision-making issues and, and some quick decisions that he should be making that he's not making. And I think that's where, you know, he could be... You know, making other people better, but I think the main yes. the main way he could make other players better because look, the the bench has had open shots like like Frank Kaminsky uh, before this little uh, stretch of a good play from him had open shots, but Raman can't take the shot for can't make the shot for him. Like he's had the ball in good positions to score, but I think the main way he can help other players become better is by being a more aggressive scorer, is by drawing more attention getting to the free throw line and becoming a factor on the bench. And that's going to help other guys uh, get a little more space. And and again, I just think that uh, he has an opportunity to turn his season around without. I think if they can do that, it will be more beneficial to this franchise long term than having to make a deal to bring in another backup point guard that's going to cost them uh, future assets. A couple of Mm, final thoughts. A couple of final thoughts, David, (laughs) before we move on to the Washington Wizards. Excuse me. I feel like that these two games were evidence of a few things. First of all, resting starters in the fourth quarter really doesn't help in terms of back to back fatigue. They got rest against Toronto because they were blowing them out, and you still saw they were tired against Brooklyn. I don't I don't know if that really matters.
0: Well, and Kemba played about the same amount of minutes. You know, he yeah. played like 28 versus 32 and 33. I mean, that's kind of where he plays every I, I just every think night, that
1: back-to-back so. back is just going to be tiring, whatever the situation, whether it's home-home, home-road, home road-road. Um, the second thing, I think you're right, David, Michael kidd Gilchrist may be adjusting to playing a full season because versus the Raptors, we see him shut down. DeMar DeRozan. I mean, he was in DeRozan's shirt, making it uncomfortable for him all night. The Hornets did a great job as a team making it uncomfortable for Kyle Lowry, which I said was one of the keys because you don't want to allow him to make other players better. They did a great job of that too. Um, But versus Brooklyn, MKG was making great hustle plays, as we highlighted earlier, but he was also getting beat off the dribble and making very un-MKG-like decisions on defense – For example, in the second quarter, he went under egregiously over two screens, under two screens, and left Sean Kilpatrick open on a three-pointer that um, left uh, Clifford very upset with Michael. So I think that he is adjusting somewhat, David, to figuring out how to manage his. But I think you know you can't. I don't know if you can go full MKG tilt night after night after night. Right. There has to be some management. Of that,
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I, you saw that. Um, that road trip was a grind on, on everybody. And, and it just started going from worse, from bad to worse, you know, as the, as the losses started piling up. So it's easy to get down on that road trip because it was horrible. <laughs> and, and, the, and the losing streak went with it. You started to see them come out of it a little bit um, in the last Boston game with a few days rest. Uh, but they finally got some conditions that were favorable to them. One being at home. And two, playing against a not so great Portland team to get a win, and you saw what it can do for a team's confidence. Um, because that Toronto win was massive, and then, like I said, the Brooklyn win—all uh, these wins of turning into just by any means necessary. Let's keep these wins going, uh, because, and they finally got some of their uh, some of their division opponents and opponents in the Eastern Conference to lose as well, so they they can make up some ground there too. But. Um, yeah, I think you're right on MKG, too, because he certainly looked good in that Brooklyn game. That's And that, Doug, isn't that the type of game where, like, if nothing else is, quote-unquote, going your way, it's not as easy as it was the night before to have a guy that's just going to grind it out and out-hustle everybody on the floor? I mean, that that's going to help you win games. Yes,
1: and let's talk about that, because I think some people would, would be confused and go, wait a minute, they just blew out the Toronto Raptors, the second-best team in the Eastern Conference, and then they struggle late in this game against... Uh, the, the Brooklyn Nets, who are last place in the Eastern Conference, what's going on? Are they playing to the level of their competition or something like that? I don't think that's it at all. I think you just have to look at situation. The Hornets were on the second night of a back-to-back. Plus, Brooklyn presents some matchup issues for the Hornets, namely Brooke Lopez, who just finds ways to score against this Hornets defense. And I also think that Brooklyn is just really good at scoring the basketball. So, you know, they they can't defend the basketball at all. And that's why they are last Mm -hmm. place in the Eastern Conference. But they, you know, they they do score the basketball very well. And they have a lot of, you know, they can play five guys who can shoot three-pointers for large swaths of the game. So you're going to...
0: Pace, yeah. And the pace of play is first in the league, right? And they shoot a ton of threes. I mean, that's kind of, it's funny to see Uh, Jeremy Lynn, who has not played in the last two games, uh, versus the Hornets. It's funny to see him go to the Hornets last year when they were doing this overhaul and three-pointers, and then to the Nets this year, who they're doing the exact same thing. They're not as good, so it makes kind of sense that they'd be launching those threes, but I think they shot like 41 of them against the Hornets. Which we've highlighted is something the Hornets are going to give up. So they were in that game. They've had some success. All of these games have been relatively close, and well, they've beaten them. They, um, they so, gave up. Yeah.
1: A, they gave up a lot of those three pointers in the second quarter. And I thought I, I wonder if the back-to-back played a role in not playing Marvin Williams in the second quarter. It's something we've seen the Hornets do over the past couple of games, and it has really helped their their opponents uh not take three pointers we've seen the three- point percentage it's pretty stark the difference when Marvin starts the second quarter and when he doesn't it's about a little over 40 percent three point percentage for opposing teams uh, when uh, he doesn't start the second quarter and then about 27 percent when he does and it's because he has this ability to recover back to the three-point line a lot quicker than Frank Kaminsky it allows them uh, it just works a lot better I think with Roy Hibbert uh, sitting down low, and and you know his recovery time is is very slow. So uh, I, I hope they get back to that against Washington, playing Marvin Williams in the second quarter because I, I thought it was working very well. So let's move on to that game, David. The Hornets take on the twenty three and twenty Washington Wizards tonight, a battle for fifth place in the Eastern Conference. The Wizards just a half game up on the Hornets. Uh, Washington they've been winners of four straight before dropping one to the Detroit Pistons on Friday. Very close game. Tonight's game will be their third straight road game. David, who should the Hornets mm-hmm. be scouting against in this one?
0: Oh, a little guy by the name of Mr. Jonathan Wall. Jonathan W. <laughs> Wall. Um, but I'll tell you what scares me about this one, Doug. I don't. I don't think Bradley Beal has made a three pointer in like his last nineteen attempts. Oh,
1: of fourteen to be exact.
0: Yeah. So Over the last
1: two, yeah, and <laughs> probably nineteen so. overall.
0: Yeah, so the, over the last two games, hadn't hit one at all, right? Um, uh, you, you might see that change tonight. It was just the rate of, of attempts the Hornets let go. But, I mean, how many – look, and well, this is a night-in-night-out thing, but look, uh, Toronto, Portland, and now Washington. I mean, those are three of the top point uh, backcourts in the league. And so far, Doug, I mean, so far you have to be pretty pleased with, the, you know, the, the way they've played these, these high-level, high-scoring backcourts.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and going back to Bradley Beal, yeah, he is in an absolute shooting slump. Uh, 4-15, 4-13, 4-14 the last three games, and he's he was a big reason. His three-point shooting and his ability to score the basketball, a big reason why the Washington Wizards turned things around. <coughs> Excuse me, but that's not who I'm scouting against, David. You know who I'm scouting nah. against? Morris. Otto, no, Otto <laughs> Porter Jr., no one's scouting against this guy, but he is okay. leading the league in three-point field goal percentage. He's a name that only the most ardent of NBA heads outside of DC have been talking about. But he's raised his three-point percentage from thirty-six point seven last season to a league-leading forty-five point four, and he's taking them. He's taken one hundred and eighty-three this season, so he's not. You know, this is not one of those weird statistical outlier anomalies, and and he's probably. And this is the problem because I think a lot of teams will do what the Hornets do and switch their best defender on Bradley Beal. But so the, the Hornets will put MKG on Bradley Beal, but that leaves Nick Batum on Otto Porter Jr. And mm, it, it's, it's, go, it's going to be a tough assignment because and Otto Porter Jr. I think 99% of these three pointers that he's hit have come assisted. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been because Bradley Beal and John Wall can penetrate, get to the rim and then kick that ball back out. So the Hornets have to be very wary of him. By the way, David, top five this season so far in three-point percentage, Otto Porter, Joe Ingles from Utah, Jared Dudley over in Phoenix, former Bobcat, Kyle Lowry, Channing Frye, and then Malcolm Brogdon, the rookie mm. in Milwaukee, sixth place. Kind of weird names wow. there in the top six. Not your traditional three-point shooting names.
0: No, and um, I'm um, uh, yes. Gosh, I just <laughs> who was leading the league right off the bat? Uh Wiggins, <laughs> Wiggins. Oh
1: yeah, that Wiggins was, was the guy leading that, that was, was, an was short
0: lived. <laughs> uh, hey,
1: David, what we'll we'll end it here. What will the Hornets have to do to make it four in a row tonight?
0: Uh, defense, Doug. I mean, it's kind of boring to say, but they've got to hold those two in check, or at least hold everyone else in check. I mean, they can't let this Washington Wizards team get out. And run them, um, you know, out of the building again, facing a, a high-powered backcourt. I think they've got to keep the Wizards on the rope. You know, they're at home; the Wizards are on the road. You know, so give them some of that payback. Uh, give them some of the the, um, the treatment that the Hornets got on the road. Wizards are five and week.
1: fourteen on the road, second worst in the Eastern Conference. So yeah. it's definitely, if you're going to jump on the Wizards, it's going to be on the road. I look back at the first game of this series back on December 14th, very close game, uh, Hornets lose 109-106, and the Hornets committed an unusually high 18 turnovers in that one that ultimately (sighs) doomed them, and a lot of those turnovers came at the hands of John Wall, who is very good at uh, getting steals, turning you over, making you make mistakes with his uh, defense. And so... The Wizards are third in the league in turning teams over. They're seventh in points off of turnovers. They also love to get into the fast break with artists like John Wall able to take it end-to-end mm-hmm. with ease. So my key to the game is going to be do the things that are fundamental to this team, don't turn the basketball over, and uh, definitely get back in transition. If the Hornets yeah. can do that, I think you know, the, the the Wizards don't shoot a lot of threes. They, they, they struggle. If they get down early, they struggle to get back in the games. So – that's another. I, I'm just throwing out keys here. Keys, 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 keys. Mm-hmm. Get, get on them early, and and you'll you you know the Hornets will have a good shot. At, at getting another victory. So and cu- hit
0: the boards too. I think that, yeah. in that in that first game the Hornets were out-rebounded along with giving up 20 fast break points. So and that, this yeah, isn't a right. good this good isn't team.
1: a good defensive rebounding team. They they are better way better at offensive rebounding. Marcin Gortat, very or Marcin Gortat very good at offensive rebounding, but defensive rebounding they they are not very good. So uh, the you know, if you're looking at guys to make an impact, MKG, Marvin Williams on the offensive boards, crash them, smash them. Um, pick them up and trash them. Okay, come back here for a recap. <laughs> Spitting rhymes here on Locked On Hornets. Come back here for a recap tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And while you're there, give us a five star review. Help hardcore Hornets fans like yourself find this podcast. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to BuzzBuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America let swarm shut.
0: So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV?